0: I have been in the series on living in his presence. We started this about three weeks ago. And uh, I have enjoyed just digging out the material. Um, the Lord laid this, this whole thought process on my heart some time back. And, and during this sabbatical time that I've had, I've had time to really just marinate this and think about what this means. We, we first talked, the first service that we are, we shared this, we talked about in His presence, being in His presence. We talked about the fact that God's presence is omniscient. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. We talked about the inner presence of God, how He dwells and lives with, within us. But then we talked about something called His manifest presence, His made-known presence, how God will make Himself known To us in unique ways. In worship, we can experience that. You've experienced that this morning. As you've just entered in, I watched you. You you experienced, you sensed something very unique. That's His made known presence. And all of this tends to relate around worship, it's rather unique. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, the idea that we are His instruments. God uses us in our giftings and talents but he uses us to worship him. We worship him with wind instruments. We worship him with percussion instruments. We worship him with stringed instruments. And we have all of those resident in us. We have vocal cords, the strings of our life. We we have breath and we can clap, we can. All of these things are to be used to glorify and honor him. It's all part of being a part of him and in his presence. This morning, I want to talk about something a little different. What is his desire? I tend to be a bottom line person. Uh, You bore me if you give me too many details. I I don't need details. I need the bottom line. Uh, There are two kinds of people in the world. There are bottom line people and beat around the bush kind of people. And if you're not sure what you are, you're a beat around the bush kind of a person because those of us that are bottom line know it. I'm just being honest. I like when we have a conversation, people to get to the bottom line. In fact, I hope there is a bottom line. Uh, I love my daughter. I, I, I think the world of that girl. She is the delight of my life. Um, you know, somebody said that, that uh, men speak about 12,000 words a day and women speak about 18,000 words a day. And my daughter has Gus up to 40. And uh, when when she calls me, I usually ask her, honey, what's uh, wh- where's this going? Because I'm bottom line. I want to know where we're going. I don't want to just be circling around Bessie's barn. Y- y'all understand what I'm saying? So when, when I think about that, I think in terms of this in relationship to this, God, what is your bottom line? What is your desire? I think it's important to understand that. What is the desire of the Lord? Uh, and And with that it just it there's three little questions that maybe i I need to give you explanation for them as you have them in your notes. God made me from him. Say that with me, God made me from him now that that's my origins come from him uh, when God wanted something, when you look at the creative story in Genesis. When God wanted something, he, he spoke to that which it would come from, that would enable it to be sustained by, by which it would return to. Now that sounds rather complex, just follow me here. When you think about it, when God uh, did this and creation thing, he, he created things and he made things. There's a distinction between creating something and making something. God said, Because there was no light, let there be light. That's a creative thing. He created something out of nothing. And then when God wanted to make something, He spoke to that thing that it would come from, that it would be sustained by, and that it would return to. Follow me in the the word, if you will. In Genesis chapter 1, I want you to listen to how it says this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Then God said, let the earth, let the earth bring forth grass. He spoke to that, to something that it would produce something that would be sustained by that something and to return back to it. Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind. And, and it goes on. But listen to the way he says it. Earth bring forth. When he, when he spoke to the, to the sun and the moon, we spoke about light. He created light. He said, let there be. He didn't speak to a specific entity of, of its being. He just created it. Let it be, but here he's speaking about something being made, and he speaks to the earth, and out of the earth is going to come all of the vegetation that we have today. It's important. Now, just bear with me. I know this is a little, just hold steady. He wanted vegetation to come from the earth, the earth. He he, he wanted it to come out of the dirt because it was going to be sustained by that dirt, and it would return to that dirt. In Genesis 1:20 it says, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and the fish of the sea come out of the sea. They live in the sea, and they will return to the sea. He goes on in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24, it says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind, and cattle, and creeping things, and all of the things that have life. He, he said, let the earth bring them forth. It's, it's, a, it's a unique thing. Earth, you bring forth the living creatures. And it did. Remember, when God made things, he spoke to whatever it was he was making to come from and to be sustained by that thing that he was speaking to. He spoke to the earth. Earth, you produce. But when he created us, he spoke to himself. When he wanted to create all of the vegetation and all of the plants and the animals, he spoke to the earth. Because it would come from it, be sustained by it, and go back to it. But when he spoke about the creation of man, he spoke to himself. Listen to the way he says it. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. This is the Elohim of God. Elohim in Hebrew is a plural word. Then God. And it's translated God. But it's translated in a a singular form. But it's a plural word. And we understand the plurality of it when we understand that there is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All three making one God. And so it is unique that God would speak to himself, himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us create man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Isn't that what it says? It doesn't say created. He didn't just create him out of nothing. He created him. He made him out of himself. Does that make sense? Follow me because this is a... This is, a, this is a far better message than you think it is. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the, over the cattle, over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He's saying, we, God, God is saying, I want us to create man and man is going to be a representative replica of who we are how far have we fallen that we don't look like him that much anymore and yet god made my made me in this unique way but pastor but pastor we're going to die and when we die we're going to return to the earth that's true He created, he formed the body out of the dirt and he munched it together and he breathed in it and it came to life. But the body, the body isn't going to live forever. The spirit that he put in me is going to live forever. God is a spirit. Remember that. And he created me to be a spirit being just like him. But he put the spirit in this body, and this body comes out of the dirt. It's going to be sustained by the dirt, and it's going to go back to the dirt. I, I, you, you all understand that? I, I sustain this body with vegetables and fruits. You understand that? I, I, love, I love dairy, and I like beef, and I like, I like all of that, and ice cream, too. You realize that ice cream is nothing more than pre processed salad. <laughs> it's my theory, I'm sticking to it. All right. Out of the earth, I'm gonna sustain this body. But but that's only a portion of who I am. My spirit was created in the exact image of the Father. My spirit is going to live forever. My spirit is sustained by him. My spirit is going to return to him someday. Do do you catch that? It's, It's important that we understand it. So when we're talking about living in his presence, we're not talking about some ethereal thing. We're talking about the pragmatics of knowing him, living with him, him living with us, communing with us, engaging with us. Leading us, teaching us, loving us. Oh. Someday you'll get this. God said to Adam and Eve, the day that you sin is the day you will die. Can you imagine a plant looking up at God and saying, I don't like the way you've Arrange this, I'm pulling out, I'm going to do it on my own. What would happen to that plant? It would die. That's exactly what mankind has done when we said to God, I'm going to do it my way. Frank Sinatra had that song, My Way. It's not the best way. Have you ever seen a self-made man? It'd be better to let God make that man because a man making himself is really a poor image. Hear my heart, God wants us to understand that we are totally dependent upon Him. I, I look at I look at these little children, and and I man, I love babies. I think they're the greatest thing in the world, and I'm so God glad that God gave them to young people. <laughs> right, Alan? Right, Jeff? You guys getting over sleep deprivation yet? You're there, right? Yeah, sure. Children, are, they're a blessing. They're wonderful. But boy, they're a lot of work. And and there's a lot that needs to be done with, with a child. They need to be sustained. They need to be taken care of. They need to be changed and fed. And they need to be held and nurtured. And they need to be guided and directed. The Father does that with us. He provides for us. He helps us. He creates within us Needs And and he fulfills those within himself. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you he made alive. I love that. He put life in you. He made alive. That means you were dead. If he makes you alive, it means you weren't alive. But he, you, he made you alive. When I came to faith, when you came to faith in Jesus, he put a new spirit in in you and it is a living spirit an eternal spirit and that spirit will not die hello that's good word folks i still struggle with my my will and my emotions and my intellect how many of you struggle with any one of those 3 That's our daily battle. That's the thing that we have to lay on the altar. That's the sacrifice we need to bring before God. That's the area that we need to die to on a daily basis. It doesn't mean that we give up a mind or an intellect. It doesn't mean we give up our will, but we yield our will to Him. We give our minds to Him. And we're not ruled by our emotions. Emotions are a fickle thing. And too often, I've watched people live their life based on their emotions, how they feel on a given situation. I've been watching my dear friend, and he hadn't felt good for a long time, and he's been in pain every day. Quite frankly, life isn't the sweetest right now. But he has made a choice. When we were with him just a few weeks ago and we were sitting talking, just the two of us, he said, Dale, I have to make a choice every morning because of the pain that today's going to be a good day. It's my choice. I can't allow my emotions, I can't allow the failings of my body to dictate to me my mental state. I do not want to become a discouraged person or one that creates discouragement in others. I want to lift. I want to build. I want to bless. I want to minister. I called him a week ago and very weak. And as I was praying for him, I prayed for him. And, and, and when I said amen, guess what he did? He started praying for me. That's the kind of spirit that God wants to put in us. Hello? John 10.10 says, The thief comes does not come except to steal and to destroy and kill. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We, we kind of put a lot of energy on the latter part of that, that they may have, have it more abundantly. But Listen to what God is saying. I have come to give you life. He redeemed us when we were spiritually dead. The second thing that hits me is, first, we we, we were created out from him. We were created from him. Say that with me. We were created from him. He is the source of our creation. He is the source of who we are. Secondly, he made me like him. You know, when God created Adam, he was created in the exact image of God, And he was created in the very likeness of God. And because of that, there wasn't an impure thought or desire within Adam. Do you all understand? Because there's no impure thought or desire in God. Impure thought comes from the enemy, not from God. And, And Adam, in the image of the Father, was exactly like him. And there was no impure idea or thought or process in his mind at all. Because God had made a replica of himself with Adam. But Adam had a desire. And I believe that the desire that Adam had was a similar desire that the father has. If you read the account of of Genesis 2, it says, so... And and God, I, I just, I have this weird mind, and I can just kind of conjure up the idea, and God and Adam are talking, he says, Adam, I've made all these creatures, and he says, I want you to name them. So Adam's out there, and he's seeing all of these critters, and he's naming them, and he's giving them all of these unique names, and. And then and then something hit Adam, and he comes to the father, and he says, there's something missing. I don't understand it. I have a desire, and I don't know where that desire is. I don't know what it is, but there's something missing. And The reason that I know that Adam was looking for something was because in Genesis 2.20, it says, so God... Gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But, for Adam, there was not, listen to it, found. The reason it wasn't found was because he was looking, and he couldn't find it. There was not found a helper comparable, or compatible, or suitable, if you will, to him. He was looking why else would there would it say it wasn't found? there was a desire to see and to find but he couldn't find it Adam falls asleep and God takes a rib out of his hand out of his side and he creates he forms it's interesting it says he made Adam but it says that he formed the woman I think God took a little more he took a little more diligence in creating a woman than he did a man. In fact, the word made has the identity of squeezing together. But the identity of the forming of a woman, it took more detail. And all of us men are saying, viva la difference. (laughs) So, ladies, (laughs) we're the prototype You're the finished product. But he took out of his side a rib. You know, up to this point in time, he's looking for this something that's comparable and compatible, a companion. He can't find it. But when he wakes up and he kind of clears the blurriness out of his eyes, and he sees Eve for the first time. He looked at her and went, whoa, man. My story. (laughs) The word woman means out of man. And she was indeed out of him. Who was out of God. Beautiful story. I honestly think when he looked at her, I think it was the first time that she ever heard the words, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Just being a little bold, but he was made out of God, and Eve was made out of him. How did God know that the only thing that would satisfy the desire of Adam was a bride? because it's the same thing he has as a desire is a bride. Jesus never married. While he was on this earth, he never married. Regardless of the fictitious stuff that Hollywood wants to come up with, he never had a girlfriend. He never had sexual relationship with a woman. Why? Because he's saving himself for his bride, of whom are we. As, as God gave, had a desire, he has imaged that desire in Adam. Adam had a desire for this compa- companion, and God gave him that companion in Eve. But here's the thing that's so interesting to me. When God made us, he didn't just make us little robots walking around. I love God. I love God. I... No, he didn't. Would you, want, would you want somebody to robotically just mimic or, or mock or somehow, some way come up with those words, I love you? When there is no meaning, there is no desire, there is no passion, there is no, there's no real affection related to that. No, none of us would want that. And neither does God. So that when God created Adam and Eve, he put within them a will, an ability for them to choose upon themselves to love or not. I think it's a powerful thing. When we find a mate, we're not looking for someone that has has to love me. When I met my wife on April 13th, a Thursday at one twenty in 1966, I can tell you the date, I can tell you exactly where, I can tell you what she was wearing because it was an epic moment in my life. I don't think that I fell in love instantly, but I can tell you what I fell in heavy like. (laughs) And it didn't take very long before... Love to find its way and affection to come into both of our lives. And I passionately love that woman. and She passionately loves me. And I love it. I love it because it's not something that she has to do. She's chosen to love me. I lay in bed at night and look over at her and I'm thinking, wow, God. I'm the luckiest man alive. She could have, she could have, she could have chosen anybody in the world. I'm telling you what, she she still is, but she would knock dead gorgeous one hot chick when I met her. <laughs> I remember went to Bible college and I had her graduation picture on my, my desk, and a guy came in and he looked at that picture and he says, That's Sherry Hoopman. I said, Yes. He says, well, what are you doing with her picture? I said, we're engaged. He says, well, what does she see in (laughs) you? I said, more than she saw in you. (laughs) Do you understand the point of what I'm trying to share here? We love having someone love us because they love us, not because they have to say it, but because they say it because it's out of the passion of their heart. Do you understand that's exactly what God is looking for from us? Not that we have to do it. Not that we're compelled to do it. But because we're so in love with him, it's all we want to do is say how much we love him. He made me to love him. He doesn't force me to love him. He doesn't challenge me to love him. He just has placed within me the ability to do it, and I love him. (laughs) I've been teaching you about living in his presence, and in this series, it directly comes through worship, and worship is an expression of love. It's the expression of what we have within us. The amazing thing about God is that anytime we give him anything, he gives it back to us. I love you, Father. I love you, too. I love you more than the world. I created it just for you. I love you enough, I'd die for you. I did. Do <laughs> you see it? Whatever we give to him, he gives back. I, I have found that to, how many of you have proven that in your life that when you live for God and you and you live with with a generosity to him, and worship, and praise, and finance, and gifts, and talents, that whatever he's given you, and you give back to him, he always returns it back multiplied fold. I've, you can't outgive him. You can't. And I'm not talking about just type. I'm talking about you cannot outgive God in any aspect of life. I love you. Hmm. God's greatest desire is you. God's greatest desire is you turn to your neighbor and say, God's greatest desire is you. It's you. That he would choose you to love. You know, I I have been a student of this book for a long time. I've read it through cover to cover. I don't know how many times. I'm I'm not even keeping track of it. I I don't do it just as a regiment. I don't do it just to say that I've... I can put another crib mark that I've read through the Bible. That's not the point. I read it because I want to know what's in it. And I want to know what the Father is speaking to me. And I want to know this love letter that he so expressly has written with my name involved. He, he has something in store for me. But over the years, over all these years, with all of the times I've read this book cover to cover, I've come across a phrase, a phrase that is so valuable. I want to see if you can pick it up and and i 'm not i didn 't put these on the screen, just the last one there 's too many of them in your notes. you have all of my references exodus six seven I will take you as my people, and I will be your god leviticus twenty six twelve I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people jeremiah seven twenty three but this is what I command them, saying, obey my voice. And I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Jeremiah eleven four. so they shall you be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 24, 7, then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Jeremiah 30, 22, you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 31, 33, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ezekiel eleven twenty. 20. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments to do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Ezekiel fourteen eleven. that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me, nor be profaned anymore with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I will be their God, say, says the Lord God. Ezekiel thirty six twenty eight. then shall you dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Ezekiel 37, 23. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. They shall be my people, and I will... Be their God. Ezekiel 37, 27 says, My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hosea 2. It's interesting that here in Hosea, he's speaking to the Gentiles. Then I will say to those who were not my people, You are my people, and they shall say, You are my God. We all praise God for that one. And Zechariah is speaking to the Jews. I will bring them back, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. Zechariah thirteen nine says, They shall call on my name, and I will answer them. And I will say, This is my people. And each one will say, The Lord is my God. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hebrews 8.10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the last one that I want to share with you is Revelation 21. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. there, God. Hear this this morning, folks. The heart of God, the bottom line with God is he's desperately in love with you. I want you to pretend with me for a moment. That Adam wasn't with Eve when she partook of forbidden fruit. Now, it didn't happen, but just imagine with me what a conversation was. Just assume that Adam was on the other side of the garden. He was nowhere around when she participated in that. And God walks up to Adam and says, my son, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Eve, your wife, has sinned. She will die. But I don't want her to die. Now, that didn't happen. But it did happen with Jesus. Son, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your bride has sinned. And she's going to die but Father, I don't want her to die. But son, someone has to die. Then Father, let it be me. And he came and took our place and died for his bride. But thanks be unto God on the third day He rose from death to life and conquered death itself. But it's a truth and a true story. He died for us. He took our place. I can't convey how important you are to God enough. Our world tends to minimize it, but God himself wants to emphasize it. For God so loved the world His creation, you and I, that He gave us His only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe in Him would have eternal life. When Jesus comes back to the tomb of Lazarus, Mary and Martha are grieving over the loss of their brother. Had you been here, our brother would have lived. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Yet though he is dead, he shall live again. And you which are alive and remain shall never die. Sounds almost like a conundrum. My spirit will never die. And he wants to put a new spirit in you and me. Exactly identical to his. Does make us a little God. God. It makes us his child in his image. Amen? Amen. How many of you have ever seen a little baby that looks just like a daddy or a mama? No denying that baby. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Father, this morning, thank you that your desire is that we would be so close to you and so intimately related to you and so involved with you that you have our very greatest interest at heart you know us, you love us you care about us what a beautiful thing Father unlike any of the other things that have been created earth and heaven, they're going to pass away This body, it has a warranty that is only given for so many days on this earth. But you have put a new spirit in me, a living spirit, a spirit that's made in the image of you, that comes out of you, that's made like you, and it's made that we would express our love to you. You haven't put that kind of a spirit in any other creature on this earth, only in humanity. But you've given us options to choose you or to not. And Lord, I'm glad that I've chosen you. I'm thankful for the new spirit you've placed in my own life and on countless thousands of people that I've walked with over the years. Perhaps this morning there's someone here that would say, I need that new spirit in my own life. I'm not right with God. I know it. I'm not where I should be. I'm not living where I should be. I need his grace and mercy. I desperately need him today. If that's you this morning, would you just respond by lifting your hand to him? God, I need you this morning. I need you, yes. Thank you, and you, yes. Yes, thank God.